Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and thanks for being with us for this episode of The Great America Show. I can't say that the Marxist left has in any way lessened its attacks on our Constitution, the Republic, or our citizenry over the past day or so. If anything, they seem to always find a way to come up with a special twist to their perverted ideology and a new line of attack against our schools, our society, our politics, and government, our American way of life. And they do seem to be winning. But conservatives are also winning now, some of those battles at least, and our guest today is among those winning. He's Attorney General Jeff Landry of Louisiana. He's won in the latest fight over the state's trigger law, meaning the state of Louisiana can now go ahead with its ban on abortions. Attorney General Landry and Missouri's Attorney General Eric Schmidt have sued President Biden and other regime officials for colluding with big tech and social media back in 2020 to suppress free speech in the weeks before the 2020 presidential election by falsely claiming that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. In short, Attorney General Jeff Landry is a great American, a fighter, and a fighter for truth, justice, and the American way. It's a delight to have you with us here on The Great America Show, Mr. Attorney General. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me, Lou. I, I, it's always a pleasure to be with you and, and all the great listeners you have around the country. So it's, it's an honor to be on your program. Well, terrific. And uh, I, I want to. we've got a lot to talk about, but I want to begin with the integrity of this election. Uh, give me, uh, give our audience a, a sense of what is being done right now to protect the, the election, first in the great state of Louisiana, but nationwide. Uh, your, your judgment on the, the status of electoral integrity in 2022. Well, I think that, that, that we're certainly a lot better off today uh, in many, many states than we were back in November of 2020 last year. Uh, I think, you know, one of the things that was interesting, we built a, a, a we beat back a bunch of cases in Louisiana uh, that folks may not may or may not know about. Uh, we, we, beat, we beat back an opportunity to sit in New Orleans, wanted to put mail drop. Um, mail-in drop boxes uh, around uh, the city of New Orleans. We beat them back in court. They wanted to expand our mail balloting uh, because of COVID-19 reasons in Louisiana. We worked with the legislature and the Secretary of State, and we put together a form that we think uh, that we, well, we know now because we litigated it, uh, certainly allowed for some exceptions, but certainly put in some safeguards to ensure that there was not fraud and abuse inside of that particular system. And then, most importantly, what we did in Louisiana, but then was echoed around the country since then, is we sued Mark Zuckerberg and his non-for-profit CTCL, 
which was basically sprinkling money, you know, almost 400, over $400 million around the country uh, in, under which they used that program to create, in, in many ways, unfortunately, a legal ballot harvesting operation for the Democrat Party. Uh, and I think that there are states now, many states, have closed the door uh, through legislation to those Zuckbergs. So just in that sense, I think that we're much better off than we were in 2020. You know, and and where does, first of all, congratulations on all that you've done in, in Louisiana. Uh, and I, I agree with you. I, th- I hope the whole country is following your example. I, I want to get a sense of where that uh, suit against Zuckerberg stands, uh, the actions that have been taken. Can you bring us up to date on that as well? I can. I can. You know, I am a little embarrassed that we're not a lot further along than I would have liked to. But, you know, we filed the suit. We actually filed the suit before November 2020. It was in October. Uh, And we drew a judge, a local judge out here who I don't think I thought just didn't have an understanding of how nefarious the actions were. And he ruled against us. We ended up taking that up to the Third Circuit in Louisiana. That's the Third Circuit in Louisiana in the 3-0 panel. They sent the case back and we won. And then we, we moved for discovery, which is the phase I'm extremely interested in. And then here lately in the last 30 days, the judge seems to be dragging his feet on our ability to conduct discovery. And so the suit's not going as fast as I would like. Uh, I can tell you this, we're, we're gonna, we intend to follow through on this lawsuit. I fully intend to litigate this all the way up to the Louisiana Supreme Court if I have to, but I'm really intent on getting this discovery done so we can see what went on in those emails. You know, if you look at Wisconsin, if you look at the report that Michael Gableman, the former Supreme Court Justice in Wisconsin, put out a 150-page scathing report on the Zuckbucks and the effects of it in Wisconsin, it will shock you, Lou. I mean, it really, really will. And so that's why I'm so interested in getting into the discovery phase. Yeah, it, well, discovery, I, I can't wait for you to get discovery, too. Except when I think about you began this legal process before the election of 2020, and here we are approaching the midterms two years later, and we are still at sea on both uh, an understanding of what happened in 2020 and what Zuckerberg did and uh, what more we could learn as a result of just the discovery in the case, forget the actual uh, findings of a court. Uh, and, and and there seems to be this slow roll throughout the throughout this country. Uh, now, I'm not saying everybody's corrupt, but I'm saying there are sure a lot of folks who seem to be. Well, look, I share your frustration that the wheels of justice uh, sometimes move a lot slower than the rest of us would like. And if I could bring you down to Louisiana and put you in charge of our court system down here, I'd do that. I think that I think that the most important thing is that we uh, stay the course, is that, as you said, we're still at sea. The good news is we've got a compass and a rudder, and, and, and we're not just adrift. And I, I, but I do believe, you know, here's, here's the good news, right? I do believe that when folks like myself and many of the listeners out there stay that course. Once you chart your course and you stay on it, eventually there is going to be a tipping point or a watershed moment under which this litigation is going to 
awash everything. And then all of a sudden, it'll seem, I'm hoping, that it will be moving at like breakneck speed. Well, I, I, I commend you on all that you're doing. Uh, and I think that the state of Louisiana is very fortunate to have you as attorney general. Uh, I, I want to turn to a couple of other things as well, obviously. Uh, a judge ruling against the Louisiana trigger law banning abortion. Were you prepared for that ruling? Did you expect that to be the case? Well, the unfortunate part, and, and this is really the disappointment I think many Americans have had now in our legal system, is that it seems like the, 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 the amount of justice you get or don't get seems to be dependent upon which court or judge that you pick. When this suit was first brought against Louisiana's trigger laws, it was brought in New Orleans. And, of course, I figured we were going to lose there. It was interesting. We actually had a little bit of a victory where the judge sent the case from New Orleans to Baton Rouge, I'll, I'll bet not much, of, not much better of a venue, but it's the proper venue. Uh, I, I am a little bit disappointed that this judge is, is, is moving around the law in the way that he is. But again, uh, we tried to get the Louisiana Supreme Court to take the matter up. Uh, it, it's unfortunate the lack of leadership up there uh, at that at, at the court that refused to take it. There was a great dissent done by one of our chief justice, uh, not our chief, one of our justices, uh, Will Crane, who dissented when we tried to get it up there. And it's a wonderful dissent. If you get a chance, I'll make sure that we send it to you because great. he spells yes. it out that the court should be the Supreme Court should be taking these issues up because most state constitutions allow their Supreme Courts. Would we in Louisiana we have supervisory jurisdiction? And so the Supreme Court can at any point in time reach down and to take these cases. And those provisions in the Constitution, our state constitutions, I believe, were built in order for times just like this. So we don't create this legal circus that is going on while there is absolutely irreparable harm. I can think of no more irreparable harm than having an unborn child murdered. I think that you're exactly right. And for them not to take the urgency, the urgency of that very issue as you've articulated it and and make that a legal philosophy, a procedural philosophy uh, is is shocking. But yet we've seen the same thing all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court, which in 2020 concurrent with the, the injuries and uh, that were uh, were befalling the, the electoral system uh, had befallen the electoral system. They didn't want to take the case before the injury. Then they didn't want to take it after. Uh, it, it's, uh, you know, in the first case, it hadn't occurred, uh, the, the, the issue. There couldn't be a, a suit in their judgment. And following it, it was too late because it was moot. Uh, I mean, the, the legal circus, as you described it, doesn't just uh, occur at the, at the local and state level. It, it's occurring all the way through the federal system as well. Well, you know, the unfortunate thing is that I've, I've said many times when we get into this quagmire is that, you know, judges, uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, sometimes remind us of professional punters. You know, I mean, again, you know, if they ever left the bench, I think they could all get a job at the NFL because they love to punt the ball. Uh, that, that's not the job that we gave them. I mean, and, and, and the job that they have is really not that difficult. They're just supposed to apply the law in the facts. I can tell you, of course. The court today, the Supreme Court, the United States Supreme Court today is different than it was in November or December of 2020, as you 
You know. Absolutely. But here's the interesting part. I think they did get it wrong by not taking up, certainly the Pennsylvania case, I believe was completely ripe and should have been taken and was easy to decide. You know, the the unfortunate part is that I think they, you know, they've lent too much credibility in the legacy media out there uh, under which, you know, that goes out and and gives them what they believe is what the American people are, um, are, are clamoring for. And it's, it's really, I would say, that the people that you have listening to this show represent a greater swath of, of America uh, than, than, than maybe some of those other outlets. And put those justices just say, well, you know, we just, maybe we just don't want to get involved in that. And that's plain wrong. It's not that we pay them to call balls and strikes. Uh, they did not want to get involved. It was obvious. And I think, as you, as you say, there was an inherent bias toward a status quo that they could not imagine would be as corrupt as we have now learned it was. Uh, It was a rigged election on so many levels, in so many fashions, Uh, whether it's voting machines, I don't know the the details. And by the way, I find that most secretaries of state don't even know what's going on with those electronic voting systems or how. Uh, But when we witnessed uh, what we did on television in Wayne County, uh, Michigan, uh, in Detroit and in Fulton County, uh, in Georgia, Atlanta. Uh, these are straightforwardly, your lying eyes showing you what was happening and then a court telling you that you have to dismiss those anomalies, as they put it. Yeah, and I also don't think the courts, um, one of the things that I think they miscalculated was the resolve of the American citizenry to ensure that their election process is fair. Because, you know, like, like you said earlier, when you said rigged, it th- I thought about the documentary that was put out called Rigged, that you can go to rig2020.com to, to download. And, of course, the, the right. 2000 News uh, documentary. All of those things are documentaries out there that, that show some of the activity. And, you know, I'm just an old country boy, Lou, but I've always thought where there's smoke, there's got to be some fire. And, and, and I think that that's the problem. And I also think, it's important. This is an important statement. I've said time and time again. The job of the government, our government, whether it's the state, the federal, certainly not the federal, but the state and your local government, is not to entice people to go vote. Their job is to perform the elections under which every legal voter has an opportunity to cast their vote and then that vote be counted. The job of enticing people to go vote are the jobs of the parties and the candidates. But for some kind of reason, the Democrats have fooled us all into believing that it's the government's job to entice people to vote. And that's absolutely not correct. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think it's important that people serve, but uh, there's no right now without selective service uh, being uh, activated by a president. uh, You know, the government is not supposed to directly go out and start enticing people to sign up for the military either. The, although the branches can recruit, it doesn't make sense to see the White House and others involved in the same thing. Uh, it, it's, it's a strange time we live in, as you obviously know, Attorney General. Uh, one, of the, one of the issues uh, is Republican Attorneys General uh, Sujo Laden uh, colluding with big tech to censor information on Hunter Biden's laptop from hell and COVID. Uh, 
what in the world was going on there? Yeah, I'm going to tell you, we've got an interesting lawsuit down here in Louisiana uh, where we sued uh, Fauci and um, and a number of other uh, of members of Biden's cabinet. And, the, and our legal theory is that they induced or colluded with uh, and encouraged big tech to censor information from the American people. And what's interesting is last week, the judge granted us our discovery request. Um, and which and so those subpoenas went out. And that's it. I think that this is an important case because you got to remember where, you know, the ability Facebook doesn't because it's a private entity. They claim they don't have a, um, a responsibility uh, uh, and they can infringe upon your First Amendment because they're a private actor. Hmm. OK, that's a pretty good you know, they're, they're probably on some pretty solid legal footing. However, when they engage with the government in what would otherwise be a violation of my First Amendment if the government did it, they then become a government actor. And that's the suit that we have going on down here. That's the discoveries, the subpoenas that went out. And I can tell you, you should pay attention to that case. It's going to be a barn burner. Well, it's it's uh, I have to say it's an exciting, exciting uh, lawsuit just in its potential uh, to reveal more and to change a lot. Uh, again, you're involved in that uh, in that effort. We we're looking at what now is uh, everybody keeps talking about this letter, uh, this 51 intelligence uh, uh, officials, former intelligence officials who signed the letter in 2020, in October of 2020, uh, to say that the Hunter's laptop uh, it was pure Russian disinformation, when every one of those officials, if they're truly intelligence officials, would have known that since 2016, they had known in the FBI and other agencies that none other than Hillary Clinton's campaign authored the Steele dossier, uh, had proceeded to push that dossier and the Russia collusion hoax through the deep state uh, and, and emanating originally from the top of the Democrat Party. Uh, they knew it and then still went out in 2020 uh, in that important election and lied to the American people to give a shield to Joe Biden, who knew he was lying. By the way, we know that Bill Barr knew they, he was lying. But Bill Barr says he didn't want to intervene in the election. We know that those circumstances form the basis of what became a, without any doubt, a change in the direction of history and the outcome of the 2020 election. Your thoughts? Yeah, look, first of all, I think it's important uh, for me to state that I've, you know, I've worked with the Federal Bureau of Investigations over the years and other federal law enforcement agencies back in my time when I was a sheriff's deputy and a police officer. And there are some fine men and women who work inside of those agencies. The problem that we're uncovering today is that those agencies evidently have had a lot more rotten apples um, than, than they should have in their bunches. And it seems as though the more we dig in, that those rotten apples seem to be the ones that have risen to the top. And that's unfortunate. I, I think that Senator Grassley's letter uh, points out a very disturbing trend. This is not something new. 
uh, under which the FBI, I mean, we think about James Comey. We go back to James Comey. We sure. think about, I mean, we, look, the, the, the amount of time and treasure that was spent on that, that stupid, ridiculous um, investigation into the Steele dossier, I mean, literally, Lou, me and you could have come to the conclusion for a lot less than $40 million, uh, which is what it cost the American taxpayers. I mean, we probably could have done it for $40. You're talking about the special counsel investigation. Uh, yes, I'm talking all right. The Mueller investigation, right. Yep. And, and think about the characters uh, that, that we're talking about. James Comey, Mueller. I mean, the list goes on. These are all people that have been living in that infected swamp for years and decades now. And it's unfortunate because we relied on those folks to give us the truth and to uncover the truth and ensure that we administer justice. But look. It shouldn't surprise everybody. Remember Hillary Clinton sanitizing her service. You know, that was just blown off. Like, oh, it was, you know, she shouldn't have done that. So we just, you know, it's going to be okay. But again, this is what happens when laws that are placed on the books and not followed and not particularly enforced, everyone just says, well, I can just do whatever I want. I'm telling you, that grassy letter is 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 one of the most disturbing letters I've read in a long, long time. And so to me, the question is not about the letter. The question is now, what are they going to do? Yep, yep, absolutely. And the letter that the Attorney General is referring to, coming from Chuck Grassley, the ranking member of the Senate Judiciary Committee, now he points out that he is basing his comments on highly credible is the expression he used in the letter, highly credible whistleblowers who have stepped forward to talk about the what is a conspiracy, was a conspiracy at the highest levels uh, of the FBI and obviously through the middle management in some fashion uh, to, to make certain that any, any information that was negative about either President Joe Biden or, at the time, candidate Joe Biden and his son, Hunter Biden, would be shut down. And the and the device they decided they would use and employ was what became an October surprise that we all know as now the Hunter Biden laptop and the, the response of the Democratic deep state, uh, the Marxist dim deep state, uh, the the disinformation letter, which was all about disinformation about the source of that, styling it as Russian disinformation, which all 51 people knew was a lie and which all of the major actors knew was a lie. Just the American people didn't know it because they shut down our newspapers, our major news outlets uh, all across the board, including the New York Post that originally broke the story of the laptop. And then think about the cost that, that that has made on the American people. Think about where we are today. Now, with the conflict going on in Ukraine, hyperinflationary pressures uh, on food and energy, uh, Europe in disarray, uh, the, the whispers of recession on Wall Street. I mean, you know, the, the fact is, if they would have done their job, the question is, would the election have turned out differently? And then, of course, when you lay on top of that, what we talked about earlier, which was the 
the, the you know the what seems to be grave flaws in our election system and in the integrity of of some elections in some of the swing states, you scratch your head and think, man, the price that Americans have paid for those who have broken the law to get us to this point, somebody should and must be held accountable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. Uh, And and that isn't uh, the idea that Republicans will pursue consequences for their political, not opponents, but political enemies. Uh, That's who the Democrats have become. Uh, I say it on this uh, podcast all of the time. This is good versus evil. This is a bunch of Marxist Dems versus the United States government and every ideal that is cherished uh, with the name America. It, it is, it, it's just a, a moment in time where people have to understand this is an existential moment in history, whether this republic will survive, because we can't survive. Uh, I, I, I don't think we'll, dis, we'll survive another election like 2020 if that were to occur. I agree with you. And I, look, I've got, I've got to affirm your comments. You know, you probably got a few more gray hairs on your head uh, than, than uh, I have. Uh, there's probably a few years in between us. And so you've seen a lot more than me, which I think only brings you to the answer quicker than folks like myself. Because you understand the effects and the evilness of communism and Marxism and the price that the average person ends up paying for that. You know, I was, uh, I was on a panel in D.C. earlier this week at AFPI, and, um, and Kenny Blackwell talked about the difference between being a subject and a citizen. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that all of that, um, it, it is really brought to the forefront when you realize that there's an absolute difference between being a subject and a citizen. And you become a subject when the government can affect you on whims and, and, and just move with the tide and that there are really not really a set set of rules. It's just up to who is in charge of the government. You're a citizen when you, you are bestowed extreme certain rights under which the go- even the government is not able to violate. And, you know, so I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I don't know if, if, if we don't really change our course, if, if we can survive in the way that America has been surviving over the last, you know, 250 plus years. Yeah, I think, you know, certainly we can survive. And the question becomes, uh, do we still have the, the intestinal fortitude, the, the political will, uh, the the sense uh, and, and the love of this country and the gratitude that should be primary uh, and foundational for all of the blessings of this country, our Constitution, all who've sacrificed for the past 250 years to create this very unique and special democracy, a constitutional republic, while we have the radical Marxist Dems talking about uh, packing the Supreme Court, talking about term limits uh, for these uh, justices uh, instead of respecting the law, their rulings. Uh, we are in, uh, I, can, I can say it a lot of ways, I'm going to be this direct. We're in a hell of a mess, and either people awaken well, to that. I'm sorry, go ahead. You, 
No, here's the good. I think you're right. I, I think you said it well. Um, here's the. Here, let me let me offer a little bit of a, of, of encouragement and hope. You know, really and truly, if we closed our eyes and we went through the list of of Marxist, communist movements, socialism, um, big corporations trying to fix elections, I swear, if I close my eyes, you're waking me up around 1915, right, or the early 1900s. Uh, and so, you know, I think that the country has weathered uh, some of those attacks um, before, but it was the decisions of the American people. And I think that this is where the buck stops and which and, and where you're trying to get to is that it's going to be up to us. We're in this fork in the road that maybe we've been there before. The difference is, is that back then when we were there, we chose the right road. The question becomes is, are we going to choose the right one this time again? Absolutely. And 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 the citizens of this country. Uh, have been used to the the so-called elites uh, in education and government and politics having their be- their very best interest at heart, whether Republican or Democrat. The, they had a contest over philosophy and values, but always at the center of those those arguments and contests and differences was how do we serve the American people best? How do we serve the nation best? And suddenly we have a moment in history in which one party, the Democratic Party, led by the Marxist Dems, is saying they have a better idea than a constitutional republic. They have a better idea than sovereign borders. And they have a better idea uh, about how to move forward. Uh, And it's just stunning because they mean to destroy everything that has been built in 250 years. And they want to disguise it with you know, little cute expressions about being progressives or socialists. They're not. They're totalitarians. And nothing more is exemplary of that reality than a president who has is cognitively impaired sitting in Washington, D.C., decreeing that the southern border of this country will be wide open and inviting in already two million illegal immigrants in the first 18 months of his presidency and another five to six million in the next uh, next year are expected. This is madness. If it's madness, look, let me offer you Exhibit A. I, I'm, I'm going to submit to you that what you just offered I could put as Exhibit B. Exhibit okay. A, I would tell you, is that this is the Democrats of the party that over the last 36 months or so have rallied to defund the police. Okay? Mm-hmm. Make no mistake about it. That is, I mean, they quote after quote after quote, you know, went after law enforcement, good, honorable people. And yet, and so look at the result of what they've said. Defund the police, we're going to be safe, we're going to be bad. Our criminal justice system is, 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 is systemically racist and unfair and unjust. And yet crime is at an all-time high. I mean, look, here in Louisiana, Louisiana New Orleans just became the murder capital of the world. All right? Oh, then you go, then so exhibit B is let's talk about immigration. I mean, the amount of criminal activity that is flowing through that border is unconscionable. And I tell people all the time, you know, I think that every person who supports open borders should be required and mandated to take their front door off of their house. I agree. And let them live 
in their neighborhood or in their apartment building with no front door for about 12 to 24 months and see how that works out. But I would venture to say you probably can't get anybody to take me or you up on that, Lou. Um, but they want, they want, they 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 refuse to allow the United States to put the door back on the hinges. The the, the idea that the radical Dems have joined in wanting to, as you said, to fund the police, have now embraced uh, no bail uh, uh, policies all over the country, thanks to George Soros and his various. Uh, uh, open society uh, foundations, all of them related to Soros, all of them related to open, uh, open society. Uh, it, it is, it's unconscionable what we're watching with these prosecutors who will not prosecute violent criminals uh, who have permitted with their policies murder, uh, the victimization of the citizens they're supposed to be serving. Uh, we, we go through this. They're trying to destroy American society. It's not an accident. It's this is not a byproduct. This is not collateral damage. This is the enemy as the Marxist Dems see it. Everything about America, its values, its foundation, its law, and its demand for order in our society and individual rights are all under attack. Well, well Lou, I'd like to think it was just the prosecutors. We had to sue the Biden administration, and we just got an injunction on it up in Tennessee because there are a set of crimes that have been listed out in our federal laws that say that if you have come into this country illegally or overstayed your visa, which places you in an illegal status, and if you commit this list of particular crimes, it is automatic deportation. And look, this is not pickpocketing, right? This is not, you know, taking the gum uh, down at the 7-Eleven off the rack and putting it in your pocket. These are violent crimes that have been listed out. And yet the president and his administration fought us because they wanted to keep those people in the country. And they wanted to not follow the law and place them in an automatic deportation status. Can you believe that? Yes, I can believe it now. Uh, I, I guess <laughs> I, I, I guess there is nothing. There is literally nothing that President uh, Joe Robinette Biden could do or say that would shock me, surprise me, or disappoint me, or disgust me, or infuriate me more than anything he's already done to this country and to the American people. Well, the good news is there's a lot of great Republican attorney generals out there that are standing with the American people, doing things just like I said, walking into court when the president and his minions um, completely want to violate the law and, and create a more unstable and insecure community. And, and look, we're winning. We're getting some great we're great, getting some great judgments and injunctions out of the court. Sometimes we get them quick. Sometimes. They take us a little longer, uh, but but look, we're, we we believe that we're the watchman on the wall for America right now, and we hope that the American people will make the right decision in the upcoming elections, throw the bums out, and we can get back to to building a a, a great America. 
and Attorney General Jeff Landry has just said it. These Republican attorneys general uh, and uh, amongst the leaders of those attorney generals certainly is uh, Jeff Landry, the attorney general of the great state of Louisiana, making a huge difference without what you and your other uh, attorneys general have done and are doing. I can't imagine where we would be, but it would be well short of where we need to be uh, you know, and are at this time. I really, I just want to say thank you uh, and commend you uh, for everything you're doing. And I hope that you will come back here soon uh, and uh, you know, and discuss uh, all of these important issues and what you're doing uh, to, to make a huge difference in the outcome of our elections, assure that they're fair and, and honest, uh, and that the country is secure and American citizens are safe. Well, thank you, Lou. We're going to keep doing the job the American people hired us to, and we'll keep doing it as long as they'll keep us in these jobs. Uh, but certainly appreciate you sharing uh, your audience with us uh, today and, and look forward to visiting again soon. I do, too. Thank you so much. Attorney General Jeff Landry of the great state of Louisiana. God bless you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today here on The Great America Show. And please be with us here tomorrow when our guest will be Congressman Troy Nels of the great state of Texas. That's tomorrow. Please join us. Until then, God bless you and God bless America.